Hi there, and welcome back to another episode of Naturally Healing Autism. I'm your host, Karen Thomas, and this podcast is generally for parents of children on the autism spectrum, but many kids that, uh, that of parents that watch also have maybe special needs or some sensory processing issues. So today I have another special guest with us who is very much specializing in those sensory type of processing disorders and movement therapies that can be really, really helpful for your child um, to help them balance out. And it's very natural. As you know, I'm all about the natural processes. Anything that we talk about in this podcast, I will link to. So if you are listening somewhere else, you don't have a pen and paper or you don't, you don't need to scramble for a pen and paper to write everything down, uh, any links to any websites or programs, I will go ahead and put at the bottom of the page at naturallyhealingautism.com on this the page where this podcast will be released, so you can go find that easily. Today, I have Sonia Story with us, and I'm going to give you just a little bit of background on Sonia so you know uh, who she is. Uh, she has developed the Brain and Sensory Foundation online course to meet the enormous need, need for all of the effective brain, body, and sensory motor integration tools. The movements are used to help overcome a wide variety of learning, behavioral, emotional, social, physical, and mental health challenges. Sonia is certified as an instructor of rhythmic movement training, and we will go into to that and describe that for you. She teaches these profound movements to parents, occupational therapists, physical therapists, SLPs, educators, mental health providers and therapists, etc. And her company, Move Play Thrive, is an approved provider through the American Occupational Therapy Association and the Brain and Sensory Foundations. Uh, the course is approved for continuing competency as well through the Federation of the State Boards of Physical Therapy. And um, again, I will link to her site at the end, which is moveplaythrive.com. But uh, Sonia, I'd like to thank you, welcome you, and thank you for joining us today. I really appreciate you being here. Thank you, Karen. I'm thrilled to be here. It sounds like you have some really, really valuable information to share with us. And there are a lot of people listening who really, they might be brand new to sensory processing issues and not know anything about uh, neurodevelopment movements, et cetera. So can you go ahead and give some background and explain what that is so that they, they have a good understanding of it? Yes, absolutely. And um, the main thing about neurodevelopmental movements and the reason they're unique is that they're all based on what infants do as long as they're healthy, as long as they're not stressed, and as long as they have room to move. These are movement patterns that infants do um, in the womb and early infancy, like through um, most of them are expressed in the first year of life, and then they, um, they have a life cycle, and um, they tend to start to diminish, and they should be completely dormant by uh, the end of the toddler stage. And when, in, in a normal, natural, healthy world, which we know we don't live in, um, this process would happen naturally, it would be easy, it would be effortless, and the child would be set up at the end of their toddler years to um, be able to sit still uh, by the time they get 
you know, to school age. They'd be set up for proper posture, proper muscle tone. They'd be set up to learn easily, to speak without any effort. Um, they would be set up to have comfortable sensory processing. Um, so it, these are the basic movements that set up our sensory processing, our brain maturity, our body maturity in the first place. So they are incredibly special and they're incredibly powerful because the brain recognizes these movements. And um, many, many children, in fact, most children, sadly, in today's world are missing the full repertoire, the full range, the full amount of these movements. Um, because there's so much that interferes with our children's development right from the beginning. So it's not only children with obvious challenges like cerebral palsy, autism, um, ADHD, learning challenges, dyslexia, um, emotional and behavior challenges. It's children across the board are being affected, but what happens is um, the so-called neurotypical children uh, they're working with a lot of compensation and these movement patterns, we can see that they're not complete, even in neurotypical children, um, but then they're not complete to a much more severe degree in uh, someone who does have uh, obvious neurodevelopmental challenges. Why is it that so many children you're finding are having sensory issues and not and they're not developing properly in the first place do you i mean i have my ideas but i'm just wondering if you have anything um in particular that that you notice yeah well that question has plagued me for uh for many many years and into decades uh and i you know i started a list of everything that interferes with development and it just Every year it gets bigger. It, you, we could go on and on with things that interfere with development. Um, heavy metals are one of the top ones, as, as we know, children are being exposed in the environment um, as a part of the vaccine schedule. They're being exposed to so many different toxins that were never um, even on the planet 100 years ago, or even many of them not even 50 years ago. So there's there's a huge toxic soup that we know is hindering children's development. Beyond that, there are things like um, C-section birth, um, ultrasounds, sonograms. And so what happens is, is that these movements that should happen naturally, these children are already weak and sick in the womb. Um, or they're exposed to things like electromagnetic frequencies, or their mom is not healthy. Maybe mom and dad aren't healthy. They don't have the proper gut bacteria because we've been, we've had decades of antibiotics. So there are many, many things. Plastics, I mean, we could go on and on. Right. Um, but the end result is that this movement system, which is so beautifully intricate and wonderful that's there to help us develop properly, it doesn't get used enough. And, um, and then the other things like that are very um, maybe culturally based, like uh, children are put on their backs um, too often, they don't get enough time on their belly. Um, then they're put in a carrier, like a, a car seat or something like that. And so their movement is restricted. Um, you know, some children are weak and they're not able to nurse and things like that. It's, um, it's quite challenging right now for a child 
uh, an infant to develop properly. And I, I believe it's the hardest time ever to be a parent because we're attempting to raise our children, but they don't have their foundational neurosensory motor systems intact. And therefore, it affects their behavior. You know, they're frustrated, they're tired, they're exhausted, they're um, ill, and um, they they are struggling. Right. I um, many listeners, if you're if you're listening, you may have heard my story. I, I actually um, recovered my son from his symptoms of autism, and did it through all natural um, resources. But I found that once the toxins were out of his body, his gut was healed, and we had started to repair those neurons in his brain, things like that, mainly healing the biology, then he was so much more able to even do any therapies. In fact, we actually didn't even end up needing to go back to the things that weren't working that we were spending lots of time and money on prior. Mm -hmm. um, and I'll link my program is called autismmomsmentor.com. And I will link to that as well for people who want to know more about the bio biological aspects, because these sensory trainings, I find you get so much more out of them when a lot of the toxins are out of the way and the gut is healed so that the brain can function at optimum and it, can, it has a better chance. It doesn't have all this other stuff in its way. Yes, I would agree 100%. Um, the other thing, though, that it, just to think of it in another term, so we'll start talking about these fabulous rhythmic movements. Mm -hmm. um, and... It, these the movements that we're talking about here are so amazing because when we give them to a child it they're very calming and they help the brain stem particularly and the cerebellum develop and be mature which then helps the child do all kinds of things one is is they're out of fight or flight um, and they can be calm and so they'll start to digest better um, they'll start to sleep better. So I would suggest that parents begin a movement program just for the sheer relief of getting better sleep and having less anxiety, less of the fight or flight condition, because that also will help the body rest and repair and detox. So I think the two together is phenomenal. And um, but, you know, that's, it could be an individual thing where you maybe need to start one before the other, something like that. But it is really good to keep in mind that, you know, kids need a lot of help and it's not just any one thing um, right. that's going to help them. It does sound, though, that your, like your therapy is a lot different than other therapies. It's not just like a type of applied behavioral therapy. You're actually rhythmically moving the body in particular patterns that are affecting the brain. So this, this is very different. Can you kind of explain the differences to, to this type of movement therapy versus, versus others? Sure. Um, well, for one thing with ABA, that is a program where they're attempting to affect behavior from the outside in. And what we're doing here is we're saying, hey, this system never got set up with what it needed to begin with. Let's give it what it that these movements are like literally like food for the brain. They literally um, grow the brain, the nerve connections, the myelin, and uh, let's give that 
start making those connections, start calming, maturing, and integrating the brain, and then what do we see with behavior? And the behavior changes are just phenomenal. Um, and when we get a child out of fight or flight, they're so much more receptive to learning. Right. Um, nobody can, if, if your stress level is so high, you can't really take in new information. Um, I, I have so many stories I could share, but could I share one slide right now? Oh, sure. Yeah. If you have some visuals, that'd be great. Yeah. Let me show. Okay. Wait, share screen. Okay, so here's one visual that I'd like to show. Uh, okay, is my, uh, are, are we right on the slide? Uh, disrupted or not enough neurodevelopmental movement. Lack yeah, of but brain, you, body, and sensory. On my screen, I see our, yours and my pictures right on top of the, the slide. Does that, is that how oh, it shows on yours? No, no. Okay, okay. I so I can worry about that. <laughs> yeah. um, well, so. Every time I teach a course, I show the students this slide and I ask them which babies are more aligned and upright. And they always know the answer. It's very obvious. Um, which babies look more ready to explore their environment? Which babies have more rooms for their organs to grow? Um, which babies are, um, you know, stronger? Which ones have the core strength? And so the reason I show this slide is because the, the babies on the bottom row is, is what's becoming the new normal, mm -hmm. sadly. And these babies right from very early in their life are having trouble because they're not, they don't have the core strength which relates to brain maturity. So I'm gonna, um, Here's another example here. You can see the difference between the drawing on the right, excuse me, the left, which is what a baby should look like. The and strong the, neck and the left. Yeah, the, the right. core strength mm -hmm. is there. And then the other one where the baby is floppy and the head's lagging and there's lack of core strength. This is a sign of a lack of brain, body, and sensory maturity. So and there's a lot of research coming out for the last many, many years showing that these movement challenges that these children have are linked to autism, ADHD, developmental coordination disorder, dyslexia, on and on and on. There's a really clear link between movement disorders, oh, and also anxiety and um, uh, asthma and allergies and things like that, they're linked to these very clear um, movement challenges. And if you know what to look for, uh, you can easily find the movement challenges. Um, and the other thing about these movement challenges is that they can be used as a way of detecting red flags or risk for autism very early. Um, but what they are now seeing the individuals who are coming out with these many studies showing that these motor sensory and motor coordination challenges is they're saying that these are a core characteristic of autism. It's because usually when ones talk about autism, they mention the social uh, deficits, the um, repetitive behaviors, 
and um, the language deficits. But we can tell much earlier on when there are motor challenges to that go along with um, the the child's uh, profile. And, and if we could intervene at that point, it would be so much better uh, for the children. They'd have much more ability to pay attention, to, to um, learn, to explore their environment, to speak. Um, because the thing that I, I'm hoping to get across, Karen, is that these movements are literally the foundation for all of our future skills. So if we want children to have skills, these movements are required. They're not optional. They're built into our system. They're innate. They ideally are automatic, but they often get hindered very early in life so that they're not automatic. But let me just, um, if I could show like quickly a couple videos so that your viewers and listeners could understand a little bit more about this so that they can really get it. Sure. So, yeah, it sounds like a great way to be able to tell very early on if there very, are some neurodevelopmental issues that are, are upon the child and being able to, to do something about it sooner than later. Yes, it's fabulous. And there's actually been research out about this since the late 1990s showing that this is a very viable um, way of detecting autism early. Um, sadly, you know, it takes time for research to get out into, you know, actual practice. And, you know, so, and, and there's a whole problem with funding of research and things like that. They're funding things like genetic studies that don't really give us concrete, um, effective solutions right now. But, mm -hmm. and they, you know, obviously there's a lot of money in drug research, but you know, this is really actually so simple. It's so simple that parents can learn to do this and they can easily learn uh, to give their child a movement program at home. Um, but the, the thing I was getting at, we, we talked about neurodevelopmental movement and within that, there are uh, rhythmic movements, which are really important. Again, all babies will do them if they're healthy and they have room to move and they've, they're not stressed. Um, these are innate rhythmic movements. Uh, and then there are reflexes, which some of your um, listeners may know about primitive and postural reflexes. So one example here is one called spinal Perez, and I'm bringing this up because I have a video. I have two videos, one showing a child who's neurotypical and one a child that has much more severe challenges, just so you can see the difference and how it relates to the sensory systems. Because again, these are the movements that build the sensory system in the first place. Um, so they um, are important for our survival and protection. They're important for building our neurosensory motor, our emotional social um, functioning depends on these movements because emotional social, emotional social and speech depend on certain levels of brain maturity, as does things like uh, muscle tone. So we talked earlier about how these primitive reflexes should be dormant by the end of the toddler stage. And oftentimes they're not. And when they're not, that's what creates, um, it's like 
the system gets stuck in the brainstem where there's survival, where there's stress, where there's irritability. It's like the nervous system is raw. It's like in a really raw, vulnerable state. And so it's like the brain's got all this static instead of just having that, had that maturity and just being calm. It's like you've seen infants before. They're on edge, you know, when they're very in, young infants. And that doesn't go away unless you get the brain maturity through these movements. And then you can start to access calm. And so, can this be administered, obviously, very early on, but then also later on, whether it's an mm -hmm. older child or even possibly an adult? Absolutely. It works. One right. of the beautiful things about these movements is that they work at any age. So we not only use these for children, but they're excellent for uh, all ages. Um, we use them for um, children and adults who've had stroke, um, traumatic brain injury, trauma, um, uh, Parkinson's disease, anything like that. They're fabulous for those kinds of things. Right. Um, let me show, okay, so this is going to, I'm going to show you a quick video here of a child who um, I'm stroking up his back right on his spine and um, he's not going to move much. There's a tiny little movement. If you watch closely, um, as I go up his spine, there's a tiny little movement where he moves his head back. So that's why it shows here sensory motor system is almost mature. And I'm, the reason I'm showing you this is because it's going to contrast a lot with what you're going to see next. Okay. So this is going to take maybe a little less than 30 seconds. So, so you're stroking upward on the spine from the bottom portion up toward the head. Mm -hmm. And so what you see is not much, actually. He's mm -hmm. pretty calm with that. Mm -hmm. And that's actually what you should see is not much of anything. Okay. Um, because ideally that reflex is dormant. And now you're going to see mm -hmm. me do this with a girl where it's a lot different. And uh, she has some, some challenges with focus, attention, speech, um, her eye, her visual skills, a lot, lot of challenges here. So let's just look and see the difference. And then we're also going to see the hypersensitivity will diminish. So you see that, she, you know, she's writhing with that stimulus. So that's the problem. The sensory system 
which is connected to the motor system, there's no separating the two, is raw and underdeveloped. And so that simple stroke up the spine, it's too much for her. And also the thing is about these reflexes is that when we're infants, they connect all of our body parts so that we can develop our brain and body in ways that will serve us once we are up and walking. So most of these ideally are integrated, meaning dormant, by the end of the first year of life. But if they stay, they create all kinds of challenges. And one of them is that your body parts are literally tied together. So when you're a baby, that's great because you have to do all this kind of moving to be able to get yourself upright, um, to develop your brain and to practice moving so that you can get upright and walk. But um, if these movement patterns hang on, the child will still learn to get up and walk, but now they're walking with tremendous amounts of stress, effort, compensation, and as you can see here, um, sensory challenges. So let me just go a little bit. I'm going to just take this video and show, I want to show you what happens at the end after we've done um, the, the activities with her. And you're going to get to see what it looks like afterwards. And I All right, so this is the one where we're trying to get the tickle out of your the middle of your back. So here comes the stroke. Okay, I totally understand that's uncomfortable. Now, here's what we have to do. Um, I mean, in general, what, what are you doing, like the types of uh, processes or what you want to see? Because it doesn't look like it's a lot of cross crawl, which I know connects hemispheres, but what, what types of things are you doing that help the de development? Oh, it's, uh, it's very detailed. It's okay. way, way more in depth um, than, you know, crawling or patterning or cross crawl, those kinds of things. It's way beyond that because we're taking each specific movement pattern, breaking it up and um, basically putting it into the child's body. But the, the place where we start is with rhythmic movements because they're so calming. And so we use the innate rhythmic movements to start. And um, I do want to caution parents just, um, you do have to go slowly with a child with autism to start very slowly because these movements are incredibly powerful. Um, I was just reading through a case study where um, a, an OT, um, sent in a case study where she worked with a boy who was six years old. Um, let me just go to his slide, actually. That's, yeah, here he is. So he went from running and screaming to happy and smiling in one school year. Um, so you can see the difference with the before and after. Um, and I'll just let everybody read that because it's a bit too much to read. But the, the point I was making is they started with three to five seconds because some of these children are so sensitive, their, their nervous system is so underdeveloped mm -hmm. 
that they can't do a lot. And so we start with tiny little bits of rhythmic movement, then give them a break, and tiny little bits, and then give them a break. And, you know, so we, you get, the parents get trained on how to do that. And actually, that's why I love to train parents, because the most ideal situation is that if the parents do it at home with the child, because they know their child the best, they can see when they're getting overstimulated or dysregulated, and they can back off and go, okay, we'll do, you know, we did three seconds today, we'll do four tomorrow. Or, you know, some kids literally need to go that slowly. Wow. Um, so I do want to say that. Now, other kids, even kids with autism, they love it, and they will ask for more and more and more. Mm -hmm. And... Um, so we get trained on what signs to look for and how to actually do this, whether if you have a child who's really sensitive or one who loves it or something in between. Um, you do need proper training because uh, you don't want, you don't ever want to overwhelm the system. We keep the system out of stress and that's why it's very individualized. It's not, um, everybody's different and everybody has a different way that they carry their stress. They have a different level of how many movements they got when they were young um, and how many they didn't get and, and how much. And so it's very individualized. Um, but the rhythmic movements are, they're simple, they're basic. Um, you know, there's one where you just curl up on your side and you just very gently rock the child. Um, that would be a great one to start with. Um, it's very small and gentle movement. You can sing while you do it. You can, um, it's very um, uh, good for relationship and bonding. Um, so th that's a big part of where we start. And then once the child has a foundation with rhythmic movement and they're calm and they're enjoying it and you've got a certain stability developed from there, then you start getting very specific with movement patterns. Um, now, one reflex that everyone will know is the grasp reflex. So if I put my hand up here when, when we're babies, if you press here, a baby will automatically do this. Mm -hmm. So that's a specific pattern. And there are many, many, many of these patterns. And we just start working with them. We stimulate and then we give, give the pattern. If the child doesn't... So... It's that, that's what it looks like. It's um, the, the patterns themselves are many and they're a, way more than we could really talk about in um, a short conversation, but they're not difficult to learn. Right. And, it sounds like um, it's really easy, even though they mm -hmm. are so impactful. And do they, uh, do they, uh, are they basically rebuilding the neural pathways as well from when it was yeah. wired? Mm -hmm. That's exactly right. Okay. That's exactly right. And right. the reason that they work so well is because the brain already recognizes them. Mm -hmm. So there are, they are our innate movement template to set ourselves up for proper functioning. So they set, like I said, they set the sensory system up in the first place. And um, we've had kids do this and um, their sensory, their hypersensitivities diminish. Um, uh, this, like you could see here with Robbie, this family finally was able to take a vacation for the first time. Um, it's not on here, but the case study's on my website. He could sit in a noisy cafeteria and wait for the bus, which he'd never been able to do before. Um, so uh, 
that, that's one thing. Um, kids go to the eye doctor and all of a sudden their vision, they have to change their glasses because their vision is so much improved. Wow. Um, on and on and on. Yeah. Wow, that's great. Yeah, I mean, I'm yeah. saying, okay, for, for people who might be listening at first and come watch this later, before and after, you've got uh, vast differences in eye contact, um, their ability to be calm, running and yelling and tantrums. Um, uh, behaviors that are interfering with school and um, uh, inability to, to take on small tasks and fine motor skills. And then finally, there it looks like after two, they also have much more social ability. They'll join and sit in circle time. Yeah. The tantrums are down to maybe a week or less instead of four or five times a day. And then they have fine motor skills. And I know that that's a, a part of the brain that's very important uh, to, uh, to, develop, um, mm -hmm. uh, to develop those fine motor skills. Um, but yeah, I mean, it looks... It looks great. And how can parents learn how to do this? I mean, is this, I know that you have your program. It's Brain and Sensory Foundation first level and your new one, it says 2017. So I'm wondering, is that where people will learn how to do this? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, okay. It, the whole reason I developed this class was so that parents could learn this and make a huge impact with their kids. And um, I was fortunate to be able to be in a position where I could um, take many, many, many classes. Um, and I just was so fascinated. So um, yeah, I have a science background, um, but my family made a big transition and I was homeschooling our two daughters. Um, one who had hypersensitivities and the other one who was hyperactive. And so there were days I was just in tears trying to manage just daily living. And it was so hard. Yeah, many of us listening and myself can, can, uh, <laughs> can understand that completely. We've lived oh. in a while. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I was thinking, we can't even get through a day. How are we even going to learn anything, you mm -hmm. know? And, uh, it was so tough, but I, uh, I started learning these simple movements that impacted the nervous system. So it wasn't like trying to teach the kids to be kind to each other, which was going nowhere because they were so triggered. And I wanted to point that out too about um, this boy, Robbie. And one of the reasons why emotional social behavior increases so much as well as speech is because the rhythmic movements really mature the brain, as do the reflexes. And then there are direct, like this, for example, the cerebellum has direct links to the speech centers in the cortex. So when we start stimulating the cerebellum with rhythmic movement, it grows and creates those connections. All of a sudden, we get more speech, which is what happened with this boy. But also, one of the reasons why there's so much better... Um, social, emotional, is that you're much calmer. So the social emotional can be very um, anxiety provoking um, because this, like I said, the, the brain is in constant fight or flight. And so that is not, you're not set up to be relating socially. But when we get the calming and maturing of the brain, um, so many things fall, uh, fall into place for the children. Right. They don't have that anxiety uh, when they just visually look at somebody closely or the amygdala uh, part of the fear, fight or flight part of the brain isn't overactive yeah. already so that as soon as anything happens, they even look at somebody, it's overstimulated and they go into fight or flight. So exactly. it's not like this calms all that down and can reach. The beauty is it doesn't just 
just calm it down for the moment. It's actually retraining it and having a long-term effect. Yes, that's exactly right. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. fabulous. Well, I can't wait to uh, look at this program. And for the listeners, I will definitely um, link to uh, this Brain and Sensory Foundation course that um, that Sonia has on her website. And um, Sonia, can you uh, also give us just a little bit more information about how the program works? Because it's online, so it can be done anywhere in the world, correct? That's right. We're actually, um, we've got students, I think, in like 23 countries, something like that. So um, yes, I taught it live for a number of years. I still do that, um, but it is also available online. And you get a hard copy manual sent to you. And it's got, it's full cover, uh, excuse me, full color, um, clear directions, photographs. So the manual is sent to you and you also get access to online um, videos, uh, uh, PDF files. And the, the course is taught, of course, it's a movement you know, movement-based, so we have to show videos. Right. So you see videos, you see what to do, and you get a lot of support. So I'm there um, every uh, other week, just about, I um, have, we get together kind of like we're getting together, and we have um, a, a live online question and answer. I also answer questions via email. So there's there's a living human being supporting mm-hmm. the whole process. Yeah, it does make a difference. Mm-hmm. Yes, and um, yeah, and but the the content of the course itself is self paced, and um, you move through it. There are eight sessions, and you move through it. That's the first level. Second level is also eight sessions, but um, for the value that it is, it's it's unbelievable. You know, it's so. It's so worth it. And I know that parents are um, so uh, exhausted and stressed themselves. And I always encourage parents to do the movement too because it will drop their stress level. But, uh, you know, if you can even just find 10 minutes a day to do this program and it's done daily, um, and that's not going to be like, that's not a recipe, you know, some kids will need more, some kids need to start with much less, but um, just getting a daily movement thing going, just like you know you have to brush your child's teeth every day, um, get this going on a daily basis and it will so much improve your life, I trust. I, I've never seen anyone that does it regularly that doesn't get benefits mm-hmm. and oftentimes the transformations are absolutely enormous. Um, so, you know, commit to a daily practice and um, it's hard, you know, when, you, when your daily routine is so challenging to begin with, but um, it'll save you time in the long run and it'll really optimize uh, your child's function and really help them get as far as they can go. Right. Well, that's the thing is, is letting our children be all that they can be. And if it's, you're doing it at your own pace. So that's important for parents to know they don't have to feel overwhelmed. Like, oh, I'm not going to be able to keep up. Uh, You do it at your own pace and that um, your child, every individual child is different. So uh, that's very important to take into account when you're doing anything with your child, that you do it at their particular pace that works for you and works for them. 
and that long-term, the effects that this will have are going to benefit them for the rest of their lives. So I know from a fact, I'm a craniosacral therapist. I work with the brain. I have for 30 years. And if you, you've got to work with those neural pathways, as well as, you know, healing the gut and heavy metal detoxification, all the biological aspects, you've got to work with those neural pathways because they have been miswired. They've been mixed up and you want to bring them back to balance and help them remember innately where they're supposed to be so that 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 your your child can function normally whether it's physically or behaviorally or socially so all of those aspects are to be taken into account so this is fabulous information i love things that are online that people can do anywhere and and since uh you know sony is really trying to share this program uh i always encourage people to, to share this on facebook with people you know who could benefit from it uh, ask, you know, or just put something out there. You can uh, link to this podcast and then they'll have, they can listen to the whole thing and help get some understanding, more understanding about it. See these slides. And then I'll link again to all of these, um, all of these, uh, the, the course and everything else that we've talked about so that people can then, anybody can check it out easily and learn for themselves. But whether your child just might have a few sensory issues, not beyond the autism spectrum, they might just have some sensory issues that aren't going to ultimately affect them in their life and in school, et cetera, or they might have full on autism that they, you know, they need the effects of this neural pathway regeneration, rebuilding as well, that it's going to be really helpful for those children and an absolute necessity. So, and again, at any age, that's always a good one too, because some kids, they're really, really young and parents think, or, or if you have an older child, maybe an adult child or an adult that is your child, but you're thinking, oh, are they, is it too late? Is it, are they too old for this? It mm-hmm. sounds like it can be done at any age and be beneficial for anyone at any age then? Yes, so, yes. absolutely. It is um, absolutely not restricted. I mean, ideally we want to, you know, get our hands on children as young as possible, but right. Uh, I started in my 40s and it was a huge impact for me. I had low grade um, anxiety that I didn't even know I had because I just, it was always with me until I did my movement program and I did it consistently. And uh, after, I, so I noticed a huge change for myself. And then I, I kept seeing great results with my own children, with other children that I'd been working with. And, um, Right now, there are many, many OTs. I just wanted to tell parents also that it's ideal if they learn this themselves, but there are OTs that can give them support who are seeking out this training and PTs. And many of them have said, um, this is the best thing I've found for sensory processing issues. They have said things to me like, I see results now in two months that I used to be happy to get in a year. So if you have any therapists listening, um, they can also take the course and it does count for professional level um, continuing education units, which there are assignments and things like that, but um, it's fabulous. So I really encourage parents to to uh, look into it and uh, check out you know the website. You can see there's a lot of free articles and resources and things like that. Excellent. Wow. Thank you so much. This sounds, sounds really, really important. Um, uh, do you have anything else that you'd like to share with us before we wrap up, Sonia? Okay. Well, if I get started on something new, I might not wrap up, but let me just... <laughs> There's so I much. Just... And I do love the aspect that you told, talk to parents about the, those listening. 
we know as parents how challenging it can be to work with children on the spectrum yeah. of special needs and how, how it can affect us and our yeah. stress level and our sleep and our anxiety. Oh, yeah. Some people lead to depression. So if it helps with all of these things for you, you're going to make a better parent because you have more patience. You have more, more ability yeah. to cope with your situation. And then you have more, more time and, and, and call, you're more calm when you're working with your child. Yeah. Let me just um, put one slide because I feel a little badly because I skipped through a slide. Um, this one. So this is a, an actual startle reflex. It's called the Moro reflex. And I wanted to just briefly explain why this, the reflexes are so intertwined with our sensory issues. And this one in particular, um, this one is stimulated when we're an infant and it's the infant flips the arms back and then shakes a little bit and comes back to center. Um, legs are involved too, but um, the main thing about this is that the stimulus is any kind of sensory input that's sudden. Um, so it could be the, a movement, it could be a loud noise, it could be a touch, it could be a bright light. Um, when this reflex is, is stimulated, um, when we're babies, it's good because it alerts the caregiver, the baby starts crying, the caregiver knows to calm or parent knows to calm and comfort the baby. But what happens is, is the, um, the stress hormones are secreted. And those stress hormones make us more sensitive because if we're actually in an emergency situation when we're a baby, uh, we need to be um, hypersensitive. We need to know what's, um, you know, if we're in an emergency, we need to know what's happening and we need to be hypersensitive and hypervigilant to our environment. But the problem is, is that this does not, this should be dormant at about four months of age in infancy. And if it's not, you're carrying that sensitivity all the way through and it just doesn't get remedied until you deal with this. And um, one of my mentors is uh, Dr. Harold Blomberg. He's a psychiatrist. And he says you cannot resolve sensory issues fully um, unless you work with this reflex. Um, and the two go hand in hand. If you have sensory issues, you know there's some of this reflex lingering. So anyway, that's um, like a direct link into the sensory um, issues. And I wanted to make sure I explained that. And I'll just quickly show people the cover of the book um, that they're going to be sent if they join the course. And that's, uh, that's there. And um, yeah, I, I appreciate the opportunity to be able to share this with everyone. Oh, absolutely. And thank you for sharing it with us. And the name of the book or the program is Brain and Sensory Foundations. And uh, I will link to that directly at Sonia's uh, website, moveplaythrive.com. And again, for those listening in, in different areas, you can find uh, all of this information at naturallyhealingautism.com. Uh, if you go to the podcast, and you, you go directly to this podcast page, I'll have all of these links at the bottom of the page for you so it's easily accessed. And please, please share it with your friends, anybody you know who could benefit from it, um, uh, whether they're young or old, if small children, old children, or even it sounds like for adults who may yeah. be dealing with some anxiety or sleep issues or stress issues, depression I know is huge for people so yes and trauma and trauma absolutely various traumas physical and emotional traumas so yeah 
Thank you so much for sharing this with us, Sonia. I really appreciate you being here today. Thank you, Karen. I appreciate all your work and um, I especially appreciate being able to get the word out. Absolutely. Yep. That's what it's about is sharing these valuable resources. What's good in, what's the good in having all of this great information if nobody knows about it? That's why right. I encourage people to share all the time and why I'm doing my podcast and I have my websites and, and my program too so that everybody can get the resources they need to get their kids better because these kids can get better. As I mentioned, I recovered my own son from autism and did it through all natural resources, which I share on my Autism Moms Mentor Program. I'll link to that as well. Um, that works a lot with the biology and healing it naturally. So um, these these go hand in hand together to work with the systems of the body to get them so to get them healthy. So our kids can be all that they were born to be, and and yeah. without all of that stuff in their way, they can they can thrive, and that's what it's all about. So absolutely, thank you again for joining us, and thank you everyone for being here today. I appreciate you listening and sharing, and uh, we will see you next time.